that's when he's most but so why play him as a holding midfielder it's like you're being so stubborn and saying this is my and it's like me against you exactly is that what, is that what it's boiling down to because he's constantly trying to he's constantly trying to prove that his analogue methods still work in a digital age no, that's, that's, a, that's a good quote isn't it but he said now let the football do the talking so all these yeah. lies that have gone around but that is a danger because by November they could be in a do okay or they could, it could go horribly yeah. wrong they could be in big they could be 8th or something in November mm. and what's he said well the football isn't doing its talking then is it so he's put a lot of pressure on himself saying right forget all that now yeah. let's let's play some football and see where we are and I thought, mm, that could go horribly yeah, wrong unfortunately no one really wants to watch you play your no, football true. so one, great two, this is three, great isn't it this is one, great two, three, three, four, 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 analog four. football in a digital age we still, you've stolen that from somewhere else haven't you uh, no he got it from his own brain, <laughs> which is very much an analogue brain yeah. in a digital world. What should we talk about? Well, it would have been, nice if, about would have been nice if once Hugh could have given me some credit for actually having an original thought. I'm surprised. No. Well, it's a very overused phrase. Is it? I've never heard it before. Yeah. Do you think Lee Child has ever used that phrase? Because I don't just read Lee Child books. I do. I do. I do read Lee Child books. They're oh, excellent. I'll read, read some Michael Connolly books as well, just yes. to vary Is that Harry Bosch? Harry Bosch. Yes. And Mickey Haller. Yeah, is he the lawyer? Yeah, yeah so the Lincoln not, lawyer. There's been there's been a bit of a is there a split off? There's separate stories with Mickey Halloran. Oh yeah, but they, they they but they they come back and they intertwine occasionally. Oh, Chinch. He's like, a, he's like an it. analog lawyer in a digital age, isn't he? <laughs> I I feel. <laughs> See, I took it full circle. <laughs> you're um, yes. you're you're learning something to mm. using it. Time uh, is yes. shortening. With I, I I had a friend at university who said, if I learn, you had a friend at university. Yeah, just a one. This is why I remember yeah. the story. Um, he keeps a rotation of just one friend ticking just, over just at one. a time. Was he imaginary or? Well, I don't know, but the oh. imaginary friend that I had at university. Um, when he discovered a word, he would then try to use it three times in the day that he had learned it. Yes. So you have used that phrase, analog something in a digital world, um, yeah. once already having learnt it about three and a half minutes ago. Because it's excellent. So perhaps you would uh, attempt to use it for another, what, twice for the rest of the day? Is that going to be possible? Yeah, but not around you guys. Yeah, on, on other people. Take the mic. Yeah. yeah, it'd be really obvious. But it will knock people's socks off. Think, wow, this is an amazing comment. You don't Say have, it again. You don't have to do any broadcasting today, do you? No, but just in general conversations with Joe Public, I could use it. <laughs> Down the deli, the butchers. Do members of Joe Public approach you often for a, they for do, a, and they a quick soundbite? They're very Chinch, angry. And Chinch runs away from <laughs> pretty much every member of the general public. We did, we, did get a, uh, we did get a message on Twitter on someone recently saying they had seen you in the wild. Which in I the wild? Quite, I quite enjoyed that turn of phrase as what well. What does that mean? <laughs> Seeing you in the wild. What was he wearing? <laughs> he was wearing what you'd expect what him was to my, have been wearing. In my natural habitat. In I wonder what that would be. You were wearing super dry. Was it the gym? It might have been. Does do, do super what? dry do athletic wear? I, I, have, I have some. Chinch makes super dry look like athletic wear. <laughs> That's true. I tried That's to buy. True. I actually tried to buy some super dry shorts in the recent summer sales, mm. and failed on account of the fact that they were so popular that they had already sold out. Really? Yeah. Is that off the back of me I'm wearing just, super dry? I was gonna, no, I was going to suggest that you had bought out the entire stock of those shorts. There's, there's no be. way you and Chinch are the same size in shorts. <laughs> You've got pipe cleaner legs, though, haven't you, to be fair? Well, I have a very, very, cotton. very, very muscular thigh. <laughs> <laughs> me or you? You? <laughs> Rubbish! Rub- muscular thighs? No. Just about mu- muscular enough to keep him standing up. Oh. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. A team update. Rory Smith is still in Italy. Steve Wyeth's house still doesn't have a back. And Andy Hinchcliffe is back on the telly. Good. And has got rid of the blonde tips. Even better. Oh. Why, Andy? Why, Why did you do that? I, I haven't. The, it's the, 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 my hair technician, in brackets, <laughs> barbers, has cut my hair, so the, they've gone. They will be back, though, because they were so popular. With everyone. Really? Every, you, I, I know you, you complained and protested so much that I, I quietly, when I left the building, you thought he looked quite good, actually. What, what about really uh, your work colleagues? Did your work colleagues they like them? They just mainly laughed. <laughs> We have a joint production today. My house, Steve's food. The food comes in three parts. We are currently warming part one. Sausage balms in the oven. Uh, By the way, enjoy the final thing that was cooked under our grill before the kitchen became a complete no-go area. Wiped out. 
Really? He, he, might, so he might have burned. Be honoured. Be honoured. <laughs> there might have been a large and insurance-inducing yeah. fire. They could be a bit dusty. <laughs> Part two is already segmented watermelon, which currently resides in Tupperware in the fridge. And part three, judging by uh, this, the, on, what's on my kitchen side, a tin full of licorice all sorts. Not, oh no, not oh, a tin full of licorice simple. all sorts. When was the last time you it had is, a tin full of licorice all sorts? It is a tin of cupcakes, one for each of us, lovingly prepared by my children, which despite the fact that they will be made from ingredients that you don't necessarily, Hugh, agree with being within a cake format. Are they chocolate? They're chocolate. <laughs> Did they but wash the Play-Doh off their hands before <laughs> they made these cakes, Stephen? Only the taste test will tell us. Chip. Children very rarely are hygienic. So this is the second of three excitingly unusual episodes on Set Piece Menu. Last week we created some sort of fissure in the space-time continuum and had Rory among us for a conversation about relegation. Next week, we will be welcoming our first SPM guest, replacing a writer with a writer as it's Rory's final week away. So a fine gentleman called Sanchetti will be among us. And today, it is you who will be among us as we spend time in the company of your correspondents. All that to come very shortly. Firstly, though, a reminder that SPM PLPL is open for season 2018-2019. This is the set-piece menu Premier League Predictions League where you predict how the final Premier League table will look next May. And the more right you are, the more chance you have to win a glut of fantastic prizes that are as yet undetermined, apart from the fact that they will be financially inconsequential. Uh, you choose where each team will finish and order them 1 to 20 and the task is to get as few points as possible by getting as many teams in as many correct finishing places as possible. You have until 6 o'clock, 6pm on the 31st of August to enter and amend your predictions. After that, our window shuts and it's set in stone. Head to tinyurl.com forward slash setpiece menu. tinyurl.com forward slash setpiece menu. You can also enter a mini league, by the way, this year for the first time or a group code to see how you're doing against your friends. tinyurl.com forward slash setpiece menu. I have printed out Chinch, Steve and Hughes at 1 to 20, which again can be amended until 6pm the 31st of August. We're not going to dwell on it so much, just to say that uh, we all have Manchester City winning the league, we all have Liverpool in second, and Steve and I both have um, Huddersfield, Cardiff and Brighton going down. That will remain... Mm remain up in the air until May. Well, this competition can be won and lost, I feel, outside of the top six. Because top six, you can't lose that many points because you probably, whoever finishes, whoever, you're not going to lose too many points on that. But it's trying to work out who's going to finish in the places outside of the top. That's where you can get this horrendously wrong. Because you've gone for Huddersfield getting relegated. Yes. They could finish 10th. They, they won't, but they could. people, for example, last season put West Brom in the top 10 wow. and were punished heartily for it. But there you go. Because they were completely That's rubbish. the difficulty in this competition. There is, at tinyurl.com set piece menu, a little link on there to buy Best Man Billy a coffee for all his hard work. He has worked tirelessly to put all this together and indeed improve it and grow it uh, for your delectation. Great SPM listeners. Um, so if you would like to, no pressure, just uh, you know, click on the link. It's not sinister. It's just giving him $4 or something. I think it's an American company. And How he gets uh, to have a nice little coffee. It's, it, he, we're going to have to, between us, buy him an awful lot of, com of coffees to cover the cost of his huge IT upgrade that has been required for this season's SPM PLPL. That's true. He has donated time and finances. And frankly, to get away with the fact that uh, we probably will forget, we're asking other people to do it instead. Um, so do do that for Best Man Billy. Um, we'd be very grateful. But again, you don't have to. How many people do you reckon could enter this competition? I'm, I'm hoping for a cool 20, 25. Oh, I was going to say, that's not too bad. If it's like hundreds of pounds, it's going to be a caffeine junkie. Okay. We all buy him coffees. Don't, don't everybody do it. That would be silly. Yes. Uh, also, we now have a Facebook page. Just as the world is deserting them and stocks are tumbling, our little Facebook page will no doubt be music to Mark Zuckerberg's ears as we will single-handedly arrest that slide by providing him with at least 12 extra page impressions over the next year or so. Um, head to facebook.com slash setpiecemenu or just search for setpiecemenu on Facebook to head to our page. You can give us a like, a follow, a share. You can even start your own conversations on there amongst yourselves without us getting in the way and ruining it. Um, there's also a list of all our pod topics uh, so far. The first 
80 or so are on there, head to facebook.com slash setpiecemenu. And I have one request via the Facebook page. You can do it on Twitter as well. Let us know how you listen to Set Piece Menu. And I don't mean via the earbuds that are plugged into your smartphone device. But where you download the podcast from, which podcast providers you use so that we can pull all that information together. Because not everybody, we understand, has an iPhone and downloads their podcast from iTunes. So we want to spread the word as far and wide as we possibly can. Do you feel that I should start taking an interest in social media? Because I famously don't do any. I feel like a, a digital man. Sorry, an analogue man <laughs> in a digital world. And Facebook, people are going to want it. Do you actually see my face on Facebook or not? But people are going to want to experience. Uh, you're so fortunate to, to physically be in my presence. But people, maybe digitally, will, will want me there, would you say? I think you should focus. <laughs> How quickly and, and demonstrably can I say no? I think you should focus first, Chinch, on being able to successfully socialise uh. and then work perhaps on being able to successfully interact with the media before you put those two things together. That's, that could be a problem, Stephen. Uh, we have a whole book of your face available via Google image search and that will amuse people enough, I would imagine, for them to not also see you on Facebook. But okay. we will hear from you on Facebook. Oh, yes. Via the Set Piece Menu Facebook page. Super, super. Um, points for uh, at least attempting the new phrase, minus points for completely getting it wrong, getting it wrong which yeah. suggests that you didn't really understand it in the first place. <laughs> uh, now, two weeks ago, we began constructing our inappropriately skilled 11. This was a team with players who are still good, but not in the position they play. They are skilled, but inappropriately. We hope that you'd get involved via at Set Piece Menu and setpiecemenu at gmail.com and by Jove, uh, you absolutely did. So thank you uh, to all of you. And I hope you didn't mind the fact that uh, you had an extra week's worth of work to do. Um, I've even got a printout of all the correspondents, some of the correspondents, uh, because let's not waste paper, um, from Steve. St Steve sent me it, Chinch, and I've got correspondence. You sent it just to Hugh, Steve? Or? This is like, hmm? if you can imagine... We are using an analogue system in a digital <laughs> yeah, age. Yes I, yes, I can see. What you, but you still only sent it to him, didn't think I might be interested. Because I would be very interested in you, what people think. You're, you're, not, you're not very much of an analogue guy. You wouldn't print it out. I would. You'd be very much digital mm. and keep it on your phone. I probably, so that's prob why you probably would. Out. Yeah, you're right there. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Um, so what we had done so far through the pod was to basically decide that we were going to include Claudio Bravo, David Luiz... Um, Carlton Palmer, Ian Ormondroyd, and Shane Long. That's as far as we got, but we wanted more because that is not a team, even if you are inappropriately skilled. Mm -hmm. So, uh, did anybody disagree, Steve, with Claudio Bravo in goal? I think it's fair to say he was the most popular suggestion. <laughs> Phil Heil on Twitter. Claudio Bravo is the obvious shout for a keeper be better as a number 10. Uh, the alternative <laughs> that was put forward came from Mr. J, who, uh, who suggested that perhaps uh, David Ospina would be a more suitable goalkeeper on the basis that he's often the shortest person in the box at corners and has a habit of standing behind the goal line. Yeah, but Shea Given was only 5'10", but he was a terrific goalkeeper, wasn't he? So I, no, he can't be inappropriately height. Can that, does that make a difference? I'm, I'm going to burst your bubble. I, I think Shea Given was much taller than that. Uh, I'm not sure. He wasn't over six foot. Let's find out via Wikipedia. He was seven foot three. Uh, he was six foot one. He was not six in foot fact, one. In fact, he remains that's six in foot platform one. shoes. <laughs> yeah, but in, in but in goal in goalkeeping terminology, that's five foot ten. Yeah, but I mean, is that, really is, you can't say he's inappropriate because he's not tall enough because. There have been some very good smallish keepers, haven't there? Quite right. Yeah. And so, therefore, he doesn't okay. get in the team. Good. Uh, Stuart Hill uh, emailed setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Thank you, Stuart. Um, lots of suggestions from Stuart, but particularly on Claudio Bravo. He says, good episode on the inappropriately skilled 11. Got to include that. Um, I do, however, think you've fallen into some stereotypes that are not true. Claudio Bravo is indeed a poor shot stopper, apart from penalties, I think, which is true because he, uh, on a couple of occasions, helped Manchester City reach the next round of the EFL Cup last season uh, due to saving penalties. But he is also poor with the ball at his feet. So <laughs> he's even more inappropriately skilled. Just because he likes to play out with his feet doesn't mean he's good at it, says Stuart. For evidence, here is a YouTube video. Our listeners have started Ooh. backing up their points of view with evidence. Um, and he says, I'm aware that judging players by YouTube compilations is bad, but this is all I have. 
and he sent a link. And once we have got through all of this um, correspondence and, and posted the pod, we will uh, put these evidentiary-based arguments onto Twitter mm-hmm. via at setpiece menu. Uh, so thank you to Stuart. So a slightly dissenting voice, but essentially, Steve, he is saying that that makes him even more suitable to select for our inappropriately skilled level. Yes, there was a little bit of confusion when people were putting names forward in that were we just looking for bad footballers? No, we were looking for good footballers who seemingly played in the wrong position. And there was also, at the other end of the spectrum, names being put forward of incredibly versatile players. David Alaba was a a name that cropped up, who more often than not, as we mentioned on the pod two weeks ago, plays at left-back for Bayern Munich, but is more than capable of playing in midfield or at the the centre of defence. That's just an exceptional footballer who is good at more than one job. It's like Philip Lahm, isn't it? Philip Lahm, Joshua Kimmich. Those are just players that will get nowhere near our team. Versatility is not what we're looking for inappropriately positioned gets you into our 11. So essentially they are appropriately skilled for all 11 rather than being inappropriately skilled 11. Um, Chinch, left back, it's quite interesting. Quite a lot of people for some reason um, wanted to get in touch to say that you shouldn't be the inappropriately skilled left back. When was I ever considered team. to be the left back? Well, I think clearly most people who? Kind of defaulted to that. But who and then had a moment? No, they thought, didn't. Actually, including I was never Jonathan Wood. I was never. Hello, says Jonathan. I humbly submit to you a contender for left back who may well save Chinch from having the honour of left back in this eleven. So there's just one example. And then he very simply says Alberto Moreno. He literally, says Jonathan, and I mean literally in the literal sense of the word, cannot defend. I submit Exhibit A, another person who, he must be a lawyer, um, submitting evidence for his argument. In Liverpool's 5-4 victory against Norwich, at 1 minute 50 of the video below, again, we'll put it on Seppi's menu Twitter, you can see that he tries to give away a penalty, but to no avail. (laughs) Moreno wasn't going to let a small thing like poor refereeing get in the way of him and his penalty, though, and he decides to dive in again to finally convince the ref that there should be a penalty. It is almost uh, comical. Um, And as well... Uh, because there's not just Exhibit A, there's Exhibit B. Uh, However, the reason that I've submitted him is because of what he is very clearly capable of, and that is running at the opposition. I submit to you, Exhibit B, his goal against Spurs. He has pace and an almost puppy-like enthusiasm to run after the ball that shows that he has clearly at least some talent. That talent just does not involve preventing the opposition from scoring. And that YouTube video will also be posted. See, that's why he should be in the team, because I couldn't really play in any other position. So either I'm so terrible that I I shouldn't be in the team, but he is clearly could play in another position, but he's terrible at left back. So that's why he should be in the team and not me. An opinion backed up by FI Economist on Twitter is Alberto Moreno too obvious. No, no, nothing's too too obvious obvious. for us. He is clearly born to play in a front three. Alberto Moreno on Twitter was... Certainly the most overwhelming choice for left-back. Alberto Moreno seems to have got in the team uh, without argument. Um, Right-back. We didn't have a lot for right-back, but we did have one suggestion. Well, the name Glenn Johnson cropped up on a couple of occasions, but uh, there is a little bit of competition for him in the shape of Rory DeLapp. This from Mikey Hollingsworth. Could Rory DeLapp make your 11 based on his greatest strength? being long throw-ins whilst not playing fullback. A, pr- a perfect, inappropriate skill. Yeah, that, that's, that's an unusual... We're not saying he should be playing somewhere else. It's the, purely the fact he can throw the ball a long he way. He should be playing as a, a throw-ball-inner. Throw-ball-inner. <laughs> yes. that, well, that's basically... Is that what he... He must have been able to play a bit. Must he? He was once Southampton's record signing, yeah. I seem to remember. Uh, was he four, midfield? Did he pl- was he midfielder? Yeah. Right. So yeah. he could. So maybe he gets in because he really is a midfielder with a long throw. When actually he was playing so at right back because they had midfielders. So get him in the team. We need a long throw in. Play him at right back. And when do your central midfielders ever take throw ins? Mm, they there don't. You go. No, no, they, they don't. don't. I, I like. I think Roy Delap yeah, fits, fits our mould rather beautifully. Well, there you go. Um, so we've got a right back. We've got a left back. What about centre back? David Luiz is obviously a given. Um, who might play alongside David Luiz, according to our wonderful listeners? Uday T suggests Uday T. Jean Alan Boomsong, a defender who scored Ooh. enough headed own goals to be a poor man striker, but could hardly defend, and every other tackle resulted in a booking. Richard Dunn scored quite a lot of own goals. Jamie Carragher as well. I think they're the most in the the Premier League. Does that mean they should have been playing in another position? Richard Dunn, Jamie Carragher, could they play 
midfield or up front? Because that's what we're basically saying here. They, they can play, but they shouldn't be playing there. Aren't we saying, though, that Carragher and Dunn were unlucky and played a large number of games, hence the number of own goals, rather than just being a little bit hapless? Okay. Would you okay. ever play Jamie Carragher or Richard Dunn up front if you were chasing a goal as an auxiliary striker? No. Right, and that okay. probably never happened, did it? No, no. Okay. They are they are skilled at doing something which isn't particularly helpful to the team, but they are not necessarily inappropriately skilled as a defender. Compelling as the argument for Boomsong is, Tim Stillman puts forward Thomas Vermaelen, a good footballer, mm. but I can't think of a single position where I would actually play him. And Dix1892 on Twitter, Newcastle played Titus Bramble as a centre-half. Oh, good call. When he's clearly more suited to the job of kit man or partner. But this is different, you see. That, we, gotta, we could actually go to an 11 of players that shouldn't be playing football, <laughs> should be playing another sport. <laughs> but what we're trying to find out is where would Bramble play? But he, he was terrifically bad at centre. But where else? It'd be terrifically bad everywhere. Was he not trying? If, if we're talk, talking about David Luiz and saying that the argument for David Luiz is that he should be some sort a midfielder. of midfielder. Yes. yes, Wasn't yes. I'm, I, am I thinking about this after the event and trying to fashion an argument around something that wasn't true? But didn't we say that about Titus Bramble as well? That he should be playing a little bit further forward? Really? <laughs> Really? <laughs> no. Titus Bramble finding space between the lines. <laughs> On the half turn. <laughs> oh, we're in danger here. Joe Highland has uh, emailed us uh, about Titus Bramble, saying that if you were to pick the perfect skill set for a Premier League centre-half, you would probably have strength, aerial ability and tackling. You might also have concentration and ability to read the game. Bramble makes mistakes. He's, uh, he's writing it as if he was still going. Bramble made mistakes that world-class centre-backs stopped making when they were nine. These are often calamitous and comedic, much to the joy of everyone supporting the other team uh, so a lot of support it would seem for Titus Bramble do we want to put Titus Bramble I'd, in but the, the trouble is is where else would he that's where, where tricky, is he what, that's what else trick with Titus isn't it yeah, we're actually saying players that you, you aren't really maybe footballers in any <laughs> position and that's a whole different 11 isn't it than the one we're saying is he a midfield where else would he play he didn't he, he always he was always a defender and a consistently bad one I mean Phil Jones would probably be a, a more Ooh. ideal foil for David Luiz in terms of a player who plays at centre half when arguably that doesn't seem like a very good idea but he could do a job <laughs> elsewhere but doesn't seem like a good idea could you imagine a ball in between Phil Jones and David Luiz the head crack between the two of them would just be tremendous wouldn't it we all reserve judgement we'll, uh, we'll have to pick somebody at the end of the podcast but uh, for now it, the, the other centre back uh, sits a little bit uh, in shade shall we say can't we play three at the back can we not play Bramble Jones and with David Luiz sweeping no because that means we, we don't get Alberto Moreno who is uh, no he can play as a wing back uh, Roy Delap is a wing back no, you, you're starting to get to, to positions where they actually might suit and that would be wrong. Ah. Uh, now when we did this uh, originally uh, we suggested that without 75% of our brains we needed your help with our inappropriately skilled 11. Well you had definitely given us your help so thank you but the 75% of the brains are still unfortunately missing so let's try and put that right now by asking where are you Rory? Uh, I'm in a car park just outside Pisa airport. Is there ever an occasion that we talk to you where you are not in the vicinity of an airport? Uh, no, I mean, it's theoretically possible. I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not like Tom Hanks in the terminal. I, uh, I do spend time away from airports, but I just so happen to be in, uh, in a 4G hotspot just outside Pisa Airport. I've come all this way to Pisa Airport just to find 4G. My next question to you is that, have you done anything in between airports? Yes, we've had some time in Italy. We're having a nice time in Italy. I'm now no longer on holiday. I, I, should, I should, should hasten to add. I am now working. I just happen to be working in Italy. So is, is Pisa in Italy, Rory? Is that what you're saying? It is, Chinch, yes. Hello, Chinch. I miss you and I, I, miss, I, I miss the fact that you've changed your haircut while I've been away. I feel as though it wouldn't have happened if I'd been around. It probably wouldn't, but I look tremendous. Don't listen to what anyone else says. I listened to the podcast uh, yesterday, the podcast on the... Um, inappropriately skilled 11 uh, as I was driving back from from a, li a little tour of Maurizio Sarri's uh, former clubs which are all these tiny little places in Tuscany uh, and uh, and I, it made me realise how much I miss you all I was, it, was quite, it was quite sad although we've created a small problem for ourselves and I probably shouldn't admit this in public but we've given Ed little bits of fruit flavoured gelato uh, just a little tiny, you know, you get the little, um, the little they're not really spoons, they look like miniature spades that they put in ice cream and you, you eat it. Uh, just a couple of little spoonfuls of those. Uh, and now, as soon as he sees ice cream, he properly kicks off. 
as if to say, give me some, give me some, give me. This is a 10-month-old who appears to be addicted to ice cream. Well, just give him Sunny D to help him get off it. Um, Rory, we have got as far as a back four and a goalkeeper, and I'm sure that you will be very, very pleased with all of it so far. You have some contributions, I know, to make about the midfield, but... Steve, there was one player suggested on social media uh, this week uh, who could be in this, and you thought that Rory might want to well uh, rebut it somewhat. It's, it's a name that came up perhaps as much as any other in terms of deserving a place in our back three. Uh, Jake Hardcastle, for example, suggesting Marcelo, one of the world's best number 10s, has spent his entire career at left-back. Absolutely not. That is quite ridiculous. Marcelo is is arguably the finest transfer anyone has ever made and is the perfect left-back for the team he plays for. That's not being inappropriately skilled. You couldn't put Marcelo in West Brom's back four, obviously, but you can put him in a Real Madrid back, back four and would want nobody else at left-back. Marcelo is is fundamentally the opposite to what we're talking about. He says in a declamatory way, so that puts a few people in their places. So, OK, Marcelo uh, will not be included at your behest, uh, Rory. What, uh, what about in midfield? Now, we had definitely put Ian Ormondroyd on the left wing, and we've probably got space for two, maybe three central midfielders, depending on our formation. Um, and when we were talking about this the other day on our WhatsApp group, that even from Italy, while working, you still have time uh, to contribute to. Chinch, take note. Mm-hmm. Um, that you would like to add a name that nobody has suggested. Yeah, I think that there's one player who, who spent his entire career labouring under a misapprehension, the misapprehension being that he was a central midfielder. Uh, and instead, it, not, not that he should have been a left-back or a striker or a goalkeeper or whatever, but he, what he wasn't was a normal, inner two central midfielder in the way that kind of English people particularly think of central midfielders. He was, to me, either a number 10, and a world-class number 10, or possibly a world-class right winger. And that man is Steven Gerrard. <gasps> and the audience Controversial. Gerrard, what, the problem with Gerrard was that he, he wasn't the... He didn't have the... It sounds like a criticism, it's not meant to be. But he didn't kind of have the discipline to be a kind of holding midfielder, obviously, or even like a controlling midfielder. Gerrard's whole game was, was based on that dynamism and that power. And this isn't saying that Steven Gerrard was a bad player, or that he, he should have been shot, or that he shouldn't have played for England, or anything like that. He was obviously he was amazing, he was Steven Gerrard, but he was best used in a position in which he was not shackled by responsibility, uh, and that was either the number 10 role that he played behind Fernando Torres for a, a year, maybe two, uh, in kind of 2008-2009, or in the 2006 season, when he was Liverpool's right winner, effectively, he scored, I think, 22 goals. Those positions suited Gerard's skill set much better than trying to put him into into a kind of midfield role in the traditional sense, next to someone who was a bit slower and a bit more kind of a bit less attack attack minded. It would have been better if Gerard had played his entire career as a ten uh, or as a seven. If we're going to use numbers, I'm not sure he would have played as a, the number ten close to a centre forward with his back to goal. He was a player who liked to as you say, with his energy, run. He wasn't, in essence, an athlete, wasn't he? He wanted to get forward all the time. So, to a degree, he was shackled there. But if he played, maybe if he played a midfield three and he was at the head of the three, but not a number 10, but where there was space for him to surge into, you think he would have had even better a career if he'd have played slightly further forward? I suppose it's, it's, uh, these are all positions that you stand in at the kickoff, and that's it. But I think if you think about that Liverpool midfield with Alonso and Mascherano, as the kind of two holders, and then Gerard further forward. If you want to characterise that as a 10, then you can. If you want to characterise it as something else, then you probably can as well. I think that was, that was when Gerard was at his best. And later on, particularly, it was when he seemed to kind of decide that he wanted to be a central midfielder. And I, I don't know if I've gone into detail on the podcast with my theory about kind of England's hierarchy of positions, where the most important player always has to be either a central defender or a central midfielder, because that's where the important players must play. But I think that held Gerard back a bit. And if he'd, if he'd maybe been more open, a bit more encouraged maybe to play, as a, as a, as a, not as a pure 10 in the sense of like Pablo Aymar, but as a, as, a, as a second striker, I think that would have been the best use of his abilities. So it's not that he was a bad midfielder, I just think he could have been a better number 10. So he's not inappropriately skilled to play where he played. He was still very good at that. But... He was more, 
more appropriately skilled in a different role. Ah, which I think is, is something actually that, that unites quite a lot of the players that you so eloquently discussed last week. Because it'd be hard to put Ian Ormondroyd and Steven Gerrard in the same box. I don't know. I think they share a great a many of uh, characteristics, not necessarily the characteristics that uh, require you to be skilled in any area. Yeah. Um, so, OK, well, Steven Gerrard is something that people may well uh, have their theories on. Um, I was wondering, before we let you go, Rory, are there any other players that you feel should absolutely be in this team uh, that we will not be allowed to argue with uh, when we come to eventually getting an 11? Uh, well, you're allowed to argue with everyone, Hugh. That's the, that's the glory of living in a liberal democracy. <laughs> For now. That Marouane Fellaini <laughs> probably warrants a discussion. I know that he's been mentioned on Twitter by quite a lot of people. I think it's fairly obvious to most that Marouane Fellaini is either a sort of battle-hardened striker or a central defender, not, not a midfielder. Um, there's another Liverpool player who I think you can include on similar grounds to Gerrard, who is a brilliant striker, but would be a world-class defensive midfielder, and that is Roberto Firmino. Um, the, the Shane Long issue, I think Steve, Steve encompassed my view correctly to the extent that I'm now considering no longer making any public statements. I might just get Steve to do it for me, because he's a bit more eloquent than I am. Um, Shane Long's kind of the perfect encapsulation of this, of this thing, where he, Shane Long is clearly a good footballer. And it's not that he's, you know, you, there's loads of players who we can look at and say he is bad at football. Um, Ian Ormondroyd being one, uh, who I was mystified by as a child as well. But Shane Long is a good footballer. Like he's a, he's technically a really good player. He's quick. He's hardworking. He does all that stuff. He just doesn't score goals. And you do wonder whether would Shane Long work better as an industrious midfielder? I think he, he probably would, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, there was there was plenty else on Shane Long. Uh, Rory Duncan Geddes, who works for the Times and the Sunday Times, said Shane Long, a world-class defence stretcher, giver of 110% and runner all afternoon, Gary, who doesn't strike enough to be a striker. And Benjamin Tosi said Shane Long surely has all of the pace and industry of a top-quality fullback and none of the goal-scoring composure or finesse needed for his actual position, striker. I'm wondering if we should call this the Shane Long Eleven. Mm, mm. It's Shane Long's, you know, we know, we, we know fairly, fairly well that there's like Robert Earnshaw syndrome, which is players who are too good for the Championship but not good enough for the Premier League. Maybe Shane Long syndrome is being, being a good footballer but not really having a proper position. You don't, because I'm not, I'm not, to be honest, like, without being facetious, I'm not sure you could play Shane Long as a right-back. I don't think it would work, but he, he, he is the sort of player, and I, it sounds stupid, I really like Shane Long. I'm, as someone who we could get in and would, would kind of fit into a system as we want him to and not, not cause any problems and do well, because I'm sure if Shane Long, as you discussed, if Shane Long was playing for a better team, Shane Long would score more goals um, or a more suited team to his, his style of football. But um, I think there's, there's, there are quite a lot of players like that who, who are included because they are good for the team. And to be honest... Ian Ormondroyd probably fits this bill. He, he, he may have been included because he was a good character. I, I suspect there was an element of wanting to get a tall, a tall fella on the, on the fullback. That might have been why he was played out wide. But if they work hard, they're technically decent. They've got lots of arms and legs. Put them in the team. But it's those players who don't quite seem to have a defined role rather than a couple of the names last week who were just bad footballers. And there's loads. You, you, it, it would be a different conversation, and an equally stimulating one, to talk about an eleven of bad footballers. But these, the, a lot of these players are kind of are quite good. You just don't quite know what to do with them. This will be very interesting. It is a fine line between are they playing in the wrong position or are they playing the wrong sport? <laughs> <laughs> and how many arms and legs do they? Yeah, how many arms and legs have? do you need to play football? <laughs> so Octopuses would be brilliant. Arms and legs, Rory. Um, just before we let you go, uh, which airport will you be visiting next on this really interesting tour of northern Italian airports? I'll be coming back to Pisa Airport in a couple of days, but uh, apart from that, I don't intend to visit an airport for quite some time. Rory, thank you very much indeed for finding a 4G hotspot in the car park of Pisa Airport. It's been lovely to speak to you. I will see you very soon. Uh, take care and love to your uh, sugar-happy child and, um, and your dog, who apparently has made at least two friends. Yes, he's made many friends. He's having a whale of a time. It's too hot for him now. Oh, and also your wife, who we love very much. Uh, Rory, thank you very much indeed. Rory Smith, everybody. Rory. Uh, Rory, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye, Rory. See ya. Rory Smith, everybody. That That is annual leave, apparently. Mm. Annual leave is spent touring Tuscany, pretending that it's because of Maurizio Sari, eating a lot of ice cream, over-sugaring your small child. Sounds idyllic. I'm slightly concerned, actually, that a, a prolonged spell of time away from home 
the excessive heat and the large volume of gelato that has been consumed <laughs> is somewhat clouding his judgment. Stephen Gerrard. Stephen yeah. Gerrard. So how does Stephen Gerrard work? Is he inappropriately skilled or is he just too good? He's multi-skilled. He's multi-skilled, he? yes. He could. He's one that could play in a variety of positions. But as a number 10, I, I always felt he was better with space in front of him coming onto the ball rather than being ahead of the game and then receiving the ball. We don't know because he never really played in that position. He was always a an onrushing central midfielder. But he was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah, he's in the Alaba Lam category of, yeah. yeah, he could play elsewhere and he might even be superior in a different position. But boy, could he do a job in the role yeah, that he yeah. played most often. Yeah. Well, bearing in mind that Carlton Palmer is, of course, set in stone in our inappropriately skilled 11. He's captain for life. He is genuinely one of the first names on the team sheet. Uh, but we do need another another central midfielder if we're going to play 4-4-2, which is because we're English, we're incredibly backward. And so we think only in terms of 4-4-2. Um, and because we've got a left winger in Ian Ormondroyd, so we need to be able to balance what a this left team winger. out somehow. So um, we do need another central midfielder. And Rory, like a lot of other people, suggested Marin Fellaini. Yeah, that was a very, very popular choice on Twitter as well. Ryan Strong says Fellaini should be the first name on the team sheet. Well, after Carlton Palmer. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. So what position would Fellaini be better suited to? Well, then than as Rory said, he's either a, a centre-back or a big striker. Big striker. OK. Yeah. He's a big guy. <laughs> he's, Is he? He's a big guy where big guys go. Yeah. Um, so um, there's Fellaini. Uh, Dondre3000 suggests Gary Medell. I always felt that he lacked the ball-playing technical ability for a holding midfielder, but instead had the ideal credentials, to my mind, for a steward. <laughs> See, that's the same thing with taking players off the pitch, not moving them to another position. <laughs> Gary Medell could be a nightclub <laughs> bouncer. That is of use. Footballers go to nightclubs. I, I think there is a role somewhere on the pitch for Gary Medell. He's clearly an accomplished footballer. I just think, you know, you need a little bit more of um, tempo setting from the player that would play the role he more often, say, well, more often not, than not does. You're not a footballer, but surely you have some form of athleticism. You could play another sport. No, he needs to be working on the door of a nightclub. <laughs> Come on, that's that's a bit of a push, isn't it? You can do it? shot put. Oh. We need a right winger because we've got Ian Ormondroyd on the left wing. So uh, a right winger. Who, who should we have for a right winger in our inappropriately skilled 11? A slam dunk suggestion from <laughs> at Ollie underscore Shep 97, who says, any space for Jesus Navas? Oh. Boy, couldn't cross in a game of tic-tac-toe. <laughs> But again, where we right? Could he play right back? He did play right he back did, on occasion for Manchester City, which meant that he started his <laughs> um, his running, not beating a defender, and then crossing appallingly from deeper, and that was it. Yeah. I think considering his pass completion rate, you'd have to suggest a job where clearing the ball rather than picking out a teammate was your mm. primary responsibility would be more suited to him. As, as we have previously discussed, we're looking for inappropriately positioned players, a winger who cannot wing, definitely <laughs> wing. gets in the team. Is that a verb? <laughs> to yes. wing. To wing. And to wing inappropriately uh, will be potentially on Jesus Navas's headstone. I was going to say, if you're a fullback selected against Ormondroid and Navas, ah, my God, oh, please, no, not today. I've got to, oh, I've hurt my ankle, I can't play. I've realised why this team is going to work. Because the completely overhit cross from Jesus Navas, the only person who's going to get on the end of that is somebody who's six foot eight and bombing in from the left wing at the far post. Yeah, but Navas has, Navas has to beat the first man. Man, which never happens. He always hits the first, not just hits the first man on the head, he hits him on the shins. <laughs> it's incredible. David Beckham never beat a man and he could cross. So maybe Jesus Navas can develop that part of his game. Do you think? It would be inappropriate. Um, so we've, I think we've got a, a four in the middle. We've got Navas, Palmer, Fellaini, Norman Troy. <laughs> <laughs> what a team. <laughs> I tell you what, Navas, Navas balances out the height uh, range of that midfield <laughs> oh. four, doesn't he? Um, so let's move, move forward to the striker now. I don't think anybody on Twitter or on email questioned the, the position of Shane Long in our team. Oh. So much so that I do believe that we may well christen this 11, the Shane Long inappropriately skilled 11. Uh, did we have anybody else suggested to go alongside Shane Long? Uh, there were plenty of names that uh, that came up during the course of the uh, the fortnight or so over which we discussed this on Twitter. Andrew Leach, Danny Welbeck, the pace and power of a killer... 
but the finishing of a lemon. Timo Batilia <laughs> suggested Connor Wickham. Not much of a goal scorer, and his most notable skill is probably his ability to take long throws. Sorry, we've already got someone for that job. <laughs> and quite a few people put forward the name of Emil Heskey. Yeah, well, yes, I can see the, the merit of all those. But Olivier Giroud as well is probably the classic example of, of the modern player. Is He doesn't score for Toffee. <laughs> but he's incredibly helpful to the team. I so is he doing his job rather than Tuffy? Is he the doing the job or not doing the job by being that link player and bringing the best out of players around him? There was but quite, not scoring any goals. There was quite a few people leapt to the defense of Olivier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. Goal, say he does the, something. The perception of his goal-scoring record is is perhaps worse than the reality of it. Uh, I think a lot of people have been drawn to the fact that you know, he didn't score during the course. Can of we find what out what his goals? Well, that would be interesting. Thirty-one goals in eighty-one internationals for France, and we're judging him based on his most, most recent uh, performances for France, where I don't think he even had a shot on target. But bearing in mind that France have won the World Cup twice, and both times they've had a non-scoring striker, yeah. uh, maybe it's now going to go down in French folklore. The only way that you're ever going to win the World Cup is by having a non-scoring striker. Mm-hmm. Didier Deschamps realised that and put <laughs> put Olivier Giroud in from the second game onwards. Genius. Uh, he's very clever. It's all about uh, getting the best out of his players, and when your players don't score, it's maybe the best way of getting nothing out of them. Um, so, Olivier Giroud, yes, a little bit harsh. Emil Heskey, a little bit harsh because they do do a job that has been required of them. So, I think that's fair enough. There's also a suggestion that has come in on a list of suggestions we heard about uh, Titus Bramble from Joe Highland saying, Andy Carroll, if you were to pick the core attributes of any successful target man, you would probably go with the following. Tall, strong, good leap, great header of the ball, not afraid of the dark arts and physically robust. Andy Carroll ticks all of the boxes of a successful target man apart from the last. This makes him completely inappropriate to play as a target man. His skill set is also inappropriate for a man who once cost £35 million. Mm, but where, again, where else would he play? I think he would be excellent as a centre-back scoring own goals in the Jean-Anam Boonsong mould. Oh, okay, yes, okay. I'm not sure I can see that. We need to be playing yeah. Andy Carroll at centre-back in our team. Uh, by the way, I should say that Joe has also contributed on Maran Fellaini, and it's worth hearing. Fellaini almost has the skills to play centre-half, centre-midfield, centre-forward and holding midfield. The problem is he is lacking a few key skills for every single one of those positions, which, coupled with an awkward style of movement and gurning facial expression, <laughs> has meant that he has spent his career as an obscure auxiliary forward, time-wasting sub and offensive beep-house. <laughs> <So that's laughs> Joe, Joe had a, a, an excellent suggestion, uh, a lot of suggestions to so thank you to Joe and all those people who emailed. Um, so perhaps our second striker still remains undecided. I was going to suggest, as Rory did briefly, Dirk Kelt. We said it in the first episode of our Inappropriately Skilled Eleven, And I just wonder if Dirk Kelt's right because he genuinely doesn't seem to fit being a striker, which is where he started. He did, I was going to say, he did play, he played wide. He did, well, he went striker, then he went wide right, then he went he, slightly further back right, and then I wondered on the last episode of our Inappropriately Skilled 11 podcast if he might end up as being a right wing back because he was very good at running and looking very, very tired after yeah, 12 yeah. minutes. <laughs> Everything that happened to Dirk Cowett in his career seemed to happen sort of 10 or 15 years after it would do for most players because you gradually, you know, you hear all sorts of stories about right backs who were strikers in their youth, yes. but gradually, you know, yeah. that their, their skill set was adapted by youth team coaches until they ended up in their professional position. Whereas Dirk Cowett seemed to get sort of quite a long way into his career before coaches decided he could be utilised better elsewhere. So that makes him a prime candidate then doesn't it playing alongside Shane Long well I didn't want to push for him because it was my suggestion but thank you yeah. very much for agreeing with me everybody yeah. um, so the Shane Long 11 managed by Paul Jewell has Claudio <laughs> Bravo in goal Rory Delap at right back Alberto Moreno at left back getting injured Chinch coming on uh, the two centre backs uh, just because it brought mirth Titus Bramble alongside David Luiz four in midfield Jesus Navas on one side Ian Ormadroid on the other Carlton Palmer and Marouan Fellaini could be brilliant at set pieces this team um, and up front Dirk Hout and, of course, the titular Shane Long. Uh, if anybody has any other suggestions, somebody that we have uh, ridiculously missed off, like, for example, Alan Kennedy got in touch to suggest that we should have included Robert Rosario, um, who I don't remember 
uh, the fact that he scored only 50 goals in 300 professional games. As Alan suggests, I just remember him uh, playing for Norwich with wonderful hair. Yeah, he did have good hair. Wonderful, say, excellent wonderful hair. hair. Google yeah. image Robert Rosario. Fantastic mm. hair. Mm. Um, let let us know at setpiecemenu or setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Just before we hear uh, Chinch's soccer story for today's setpiece menu, uh, a lot of people have got in touch uh, via setpiecemenu at gmail.com to either make points or make suggestions for podcast episodes and we thank you for that but also ask a question if necessary uh, something that's been burning away at them over a few months well I did promise during our summer series of people who had uh, shaped modern football that we would eventually get round to some of those uh, items of correspondence so here we are for just the next couple of minutes uh, we start with Matt Spicer who's in Melbourne hello Steve says Matt. I discovered Set Piece Menu through a friend a month ago and have motored my way through 30 podcasts already. I'm really enjoying the banter that goes on. We're not going to put that on the poster, that's for sure. That goes on and eagerly look forward to Hugh's descriptions of everyone for the introductions. Mm. Finally, someone's noticed. Yeah, you might put a lot of work in and no one seems on to notice. Poster. Yeah. I have an observation. I've really noticed how often Andy talks about that goal. You know, the fifth in the 5-1 beating of Manchester United at Main Road in 1989. Mm. Matt says, I found it on YouTube to see the glory for myself. But the thing I've noticed about the goal is that he doesn't seem to do anything when the ball arrives. He seems to just continue running. And because the cross is so good, the ball cannons off his face and into the net. There was no neck extension, no straining to get the ball, just a continuation of him running toward the goal and the ball simply hitting him in the face and going in. Also, the celebration was well over the top for a fifth goal. All the best, Matt Spicer. Hold on a minute. The ball didn't come off my face, it came off my forehead. The forehead. And this this Matt, English, Australian, I don't care. You know nothing about football. You must have seen goals where all the pace is on the ball and the person on the end just uses that pace and just cushions. I didn't need to head it and extend my powerful neck muscles, which I do have, of course. I just had to redirect it. So I cushioned it. I just let the ball sink into my head and then fly past Jim Layton. That is the genius of the goal, is how I finished it. Forget the build-up, the two passes beforehand. The genius in the goal is how I headed the ball. So for you, Matt, to have noticed that it was all wrong makes you all wrong, my friend. Normally, Stay down under. Normally, we would, we would jump on the bandwagon of mocking Chinch, but I have to I have to leap to your defence, Chinch. It's about being in the right place at the right time. This is the Michael Carrick argument. Michael Carrick doesn't do enough in a match because he's already stood where he needs to be, and Chinch was arriving bang on cue for the delivery of your, that cross. Yeah, but you're still you deserve great credit for that. If Chinch. I just ran. And, ra- and didn't do anything, the ball would just cannon off my head and go I in. I you, still had a lot to do. I said you timed your run to perfection. Yes. To the point where you, you anticipated the quality of the cross. I did. And you simply needed to di- divert it in the correct direction. Redirect it. Divert. No, divert's like it could have come off my yeah. backside, which was probably more likely with the size of my hips. But I didn't. I, I assessed my situation. I realised the enormity of the occasion and the moment. And I, I finished it appropriately. And also the celebration... We just scored the fifth goal in a Manchester derby and I'm 19 years old. What am I going to do? Just walk back to the halfway line shaking hands with people? I don't think so. In an era when routinely Manchester Manchester City lost the Manchester derby, by the way. So, you know, you should be able to celebrate. I never lost a Manchester derby, so I wonder what that feels like. Well, I wonder if Matt has uh, just slowed it down just to the point of impact and realised that Chinch was closing his eyes and hoping that it wouldn't hit him because it might hurt. This is terrible. Sarab Janab is in Edinburgh. He says, to the team... Not to Steve, when most would. Uh, one thing that has perplexed me for a long time is the working week of a commentator, particularly someone on match of the day. What do they do during the week on non-match days? Is it a full-time job? If you know anyone that could help with an answer, that would be great. Do we Smiley know? Face. Do we know anybody? Any well, obviously, if he, thought, if he thought we knew anybody, he would say hello, yeah, Steve. Yeah, we don't want a fly-by-night kind of guy, do we? We want someone who really knows. Hello, Steve. Do you want me, do you want me to scroll through my contacts and see if I... <laughs> if do you I know, know anyone, anybody? Steve? Phone Guy Mowbray for us. Some insight. But even though the irony is that this one should have said hello, Steve, because this is actually relevant to match of the day, Stephen White. Well, the week of a football commentator really oh God, revolves it like he's read around a Come on. the golf course quite a bit. Yep. Um, Netflix, a binging of box sets. Yep. And then as the week progresses, you suddenly realise there's an awful lot of work to do. <laughs> it's a bit like the, the closest comparison I can draw it to is cramming for an exam. There is an awful lot of work to do to prepare yourself to come attack a football match. You obviously have to be uh, have a, a depth of knowledge about the players, uh, about the two teams involved, about the, the history of, uh, of, of some of the perhaps 
previous meetings of those two clubs and some of the, the narratives, the stories that have, have been around in the build-up. So you put together your, you, you might have cue cards for an exam, you put together your notes, you make sure you've got your cheat sheets ready for the match, you, you watch previous games, you, you get yourself prepared and effectively the exam takes place at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and you've got to be ready for it when the first whistle blows. Do you do anything to protect your voice? Do you, because you have a syrupy, syrupy oh. voice. Mellifluous. That's what I was thinking of, but he syrupy has works. A digital voice in a. <laughs> do, you, do you have brandy and lemon regularly during the course of the week? Do you gargle with an antiseptic potion? I've, I've How do you keep your voice as it is? I find six or seven cups of tea and coffee a day are the perfect preparation really? for. No, I don't do anything in particular, but there are. Um, not standing standing around on on the sides of pitches shouting at people is not good preparation. So yeah, just uh, not not overexerting your voice ahead of a, the older a football you get, commentary. You, you do need to take care of it because we don't want it to go downhill. Sadab, there you go. That was a much longer answer than I think even you expected. Um, <laughs> a couple more for Chinch after we compared him to Paul Dummett on a pre World Cup pod. How very dare you? Uh, Sam Crocker says this. Dear Steve. You see, Sam's got it. <laughs> I would suggest Chinch is actually a past version of Nicky Shorey. He has precisely two caps for England as Nicky Shorey, and even one for England B, which, Chinch, you don't possess, so I'm sure he's already better. Uh, and Shorey did have a spell, says uh, Sam, with Pune City in India, which Chinch can sadly not claim to have had. So wait a minute. I get seven caps. Nicky Shorey gets two. So there's a five-cap difference here. Five caps. And we're balancing out... A one England B yep. appearance and playing for who? Pune City. How can that? How can that bridge the the massive chasm between myself and Nicky Short? Apart from our large bottoms, that's the only similarity we had. Come on, people. Uh, Wes Chen, who is on the verge of Buffalo status uh, on account of the fact that he is a regular correspondent. Hello, Wes. Writes this. Good day, SPM team. I was reading a column written by this dude, Jorge Valdano, who's only scored a goal in the World Cup final, no biggie, in The Guardian the other day. And he said this. We love football for its imprecision, its moments of genius and its mistakes. When the ball bounces badly in the left back plays terribly because he's had a fight with his girlfriend before the game. So says Jorge Valdano. And then Wes says, chinch much? It wasn't the girlfriend. It was the uh, the wife I tend to have a problem with. And I only realised the mistake I'd made 25 years later <laughs> when we divorced. And finally, from a colleague of Steve's and mine at the BBC, Christian Reid. Hello, Christian. Uh, he was driving home the other day and noticed a driving lesson taking place, as usual, in a liveried car. The driving school was run by none other than Andy Hinchcliffe, just without the E at the end. Uh, that The E makes all the difference. The E is what makes me sublime and <laughs> the guy without the E just a driving instructor. Well, Andy, apparently, according to his website, offers professional driving lessons around Eggborough, Selby, Brayton, Burn, Barlow, Balby, Carlton, Campbellsforth, Drax, Hensel, Heck, Whitley Bridge, Kellington, Beale, Brotherton, Birkin, Hillam, Sherburn and Elmert, South Milford, Pontefract, Ackworth, Kellingly, Nottingley, and others that I didn't want to offend our Yorkshire listeners by mispronouncing, so left off the Is list. Is he a driving instructor in Middle Earth? I've never heard of any of them. Where are those places? <laughs> it's got Christian thinking, and guess what? There is also a Rory Smith driving instructor in the southeast of England. Bound to be. No Steve Wyeth or Hugh Ferris, uh, although there is a Paul Wyeth in Marriott in Somerset. Almost certainly related to me. There, was a, there was a famous Hugh, Hugh Ferris though, wasn't he? A there was a famous Hugh architect Ferris. Architect or a... Uh, he was a delineator. Uh, conceptual sorry? architect. Okay. So yes, so as my mum attempts to Google me every day of my life, yeah. um, unfortunately she will never find me at the top. But of there's the no other... St- well, there isn't. There isn't another Stephen Wyeth. Yeah. There isn't. Not with, not, that, my eyes. not with that mellifluous voice. <laughs> um, so if anybody happens to spot any names that connect us to other uh, industries, do let us know. But um, also, if you are thinking of taking uh, driving lessons in Middle Earth or indeed <laughs> West Yorkshire, uh, then uh, get in touch with Andy Hinchcliffe without the E and see if he's um, just as ridiculous as the one with an E. Um, a time to prove that now because it's time for Never, no- Never Mind Jack and Nori. What a soccer story. This is when Andy, the footballer, not the driving instructor, tells the tale from his playing days with all that old behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Right. When you think you're lucky enough to know me, you are blessed. Oh, so but when lucky. you when if people who didn't know me said, you know, what's he like? What kind of character traits? What what would epitomise what I am all about? I'm trying to get to um, the, there's this, there's the part of my character that, that really is going to come to the story. Yes, yes. Um, inappropriate fashion styles. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, maybe. Had at least 
two midlife crises before he's actually got to midlife. Yeah, no, not really what I was looking Regular for. Regular changing hairstyle. Again, probably true, but not really what I was looking for. What were you after? Punctuality. Oh, yes, always early. You know <laughs> how I'm never late. I'm never late, am I? You're always early. And this is a story about how I very nearly missed my debut for <gasps> Sheffield Wednesday. Can you imagine the Owls fans if I hadn't made the, this game? I've have, I'm sure I've told the story of the Friday when I signed for Sheffield Wednesday with Ron Atkinson and the... After the play of Kit Kats, you then this got was, the, yes, the, the, the contract. Uh, that nobody had seen before and yeah. the tipex and everything. So this was on the Friday, so I signed before 12. <laughs> it's genuinely true that. Signed before 12 o'clock so I could play against Wimbledon the next day. Sheffield Wednesday, Wimbledon. What a clash. And so that's why they were keen to get the, uh, the deal done. So everything's done. We've done the training on the Friday afternoon, so I go home, and then the game's three o'clock on the Saturday, and I do like to arrive, as you know, a little bit earlier than is necessary. Sometimes I'm genuinely in the shower, having my shower an hour before we meet, and Chinch arrives. So, yeah, so three o'clock kickoff. I think he wants to see me in the shower. I really don't. (laughs) Teams go in at two o'clock, so you probably think, being professionally derived at one o'clock, I would probably get to a game at about 11 <laughs> so no seriously that's what I, I just and we're traveling from Manchester to Sheffield people from uh, across the world won't understand about, kind about of the geography of what we're talking yeah, it is but there's, there's two ways there's one way you go over the Pennines over the hills from Manchester Beautiful. to Sheffield Beautiful. and that was so I get in the car at kind of half past nine thinking <laughs> this will be okay and I get to, to the, the road that leads over the hills completely blocked it must have been an accident or something and I think well okay I'll turn around and I'll go around the M1 go the motorway it'll take a lot longer but I've got bags of time. It'll be absolutely fine. So I come back round onto the uh, onto the M60, M62. That is a complete gridlock as well. Now it is only about half ten, so I'm still thinking, <laughs> just sitting it. It's all right. But then ten minutes go by, twenty minutes, half an hour. I'm genuinely starting to panic. So eventually, I must have sat in this for for two hours or more. It actually ended up at Sheffield Wednesday. There's kind of a covered walkway where the the players' entrance is. And the car park's kind of at one end of it, and there's there's kind of an entrance at the other end that you're not meant to bring your cars into. You're meant to drive into the players' car. And I didn't know. I'd never only been there once before on the Friday, so I actually went to the wrong entrance. And this is we're, get, we're talking about ten to two now, so I'm absolutely got a full sweat on. The, the Fiat Tipo has been pushed <laughs> to its limits, and I, I I've missed the car park, and there's all stewards stopping me. This is a match day. You can't drive your car in here. And I'm saying no. I'm, I've got training kits on I'm playing a sign for the club yesterday all the fans are wearing training kit as well and they're thinking no no hang on a minute no I'm playing genuinely I'm the new signing I'm football's I'm Andy football. can't you see my face and eventually what I had to do was just dump the car give the keys to the stewards and run into the ground the same stewards that had told you that you weren't Andy Hinchcliffe yeah I just had to say I'm sorry this is I, I've just got free to leave car, the car free car so I just <laughs> locked there and said look there's the kit if you can move it I'm, I'm telling you this is and I've got to get in there because I don't know what used to happen if the, if you, if you, the team sheets went in and you weren't on it at 2 o'clock did that mean that you couldn't play and I thought that that was the case so I'm desperately trying to get there thinking you've got to have my name on the sheet because if it goes in and I'm not on it I could miss the game who was the backup left back uh, Lee Briscoe Lee Briscoe, do you Briscoe remember would Briscoe? Have been on the No wonder sheet. he was rubbing his hat when he saw me come hurtling in, covered in sweat. I bet he thought, oh, great, you've made it. But this was, that is the closest. I must have been five minutes away. I never saw my car again, but at least I managed to play in a one-all draw against Wimbledon for Sheffield Wednesday. What a debut. Those 1.6-litre Fiat T-Pose with the CD multi-changer were so, so sought after, Chinch. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much indeed to Mr. Andrew. <gasps> Football's Andy Hinchcliffe. If you ever see him requiring some sort of assistance and you're a steward or anybody with any sort of authority, just let him do what he wants to do because <laughs> otherwise Lee Briscoe will take his place. <laughs> um, before we go, a reminder that the SPM PLPL is open and you can amend your teams until the 31st of August at 6pm. Head to tinyurl.com forward slash set piece menu. They are flooding in. So thank you very much. Do keep them going and buy Billy a coffee if you've got $4 free. At last, we have something relevant for our American audience. Um, a reminder what's happening as well next week on Set Piece Menu. We are replacing Rory in his final week away with another writer. Sanjeev Shetty has written a book called Total Football, a graphic history of the world's most iconic soccer tactics and had the very good sense to use both Steve and me as informed contributors, which is hilarious. Well, was I otherwise engaged? You must, have, you must have been trying to get hold of me. Very expensive, Chinch. 
and also quite a lot of the time you're in Portugal. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, he wasn't really that interested about getting out of the championship, though, Chinji. It was oh, the big games. It was the games. Champions League oh, finals. You know, the, you the, the, criti- the critical games in a Premier League title race. He was really fascinated. You've changed. He also knew that it meant he'd get a pug- plug on the pod, so that's probably the reason why he did it. Uh, so, Sandy Tactically with us. astute of him. Yes, mm. to talk tactics in the next episode of Set Piece Mini. That is a book, by the way, that has been read cover to cover by Andy Hinchcliffe, the only, the only man to have read that book cover mm. to cover currently sat around this table yes um, uh, after that hopefully we'll be back to normal although Chinch is going to be away for one of the weeks when Rory comes back but we will make amends by having an analogue replacement in a digital world Nicky Shorey maybe <laughs> Nicky Shorey will do yeah Lee Briscoe apparently uh, is currently waiting by the phone and if you can get the pies Jamie Pollock will be in <laughs> please in the meantime get in touch with the pod if you can at Setpiece Menu is where we are on Twitter or setpiecemenu at gmail.com please subscribe share rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule thank you to Steve uh, to Andy and of course to Rory who is still sunning himself and giving his child sunny delight uh, thanks to you all for listening we'll be back with another Setpiece Menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed have you two ever missed a professional engagement because of traffic or have you ever done what I had to race in and plug in and basically go on air in a kind of five minutes you haven't had the hour hour and a half I was set up this will come as a shock to Hugh in particular who knows I pride myself on my punctuality um, I was but you know that that's punctuality which is the complete opposite to your punctuality change just just you so that we're clear okay always okay. late yeah, I did, oh, I, you've okay. got to add wire time I did uh, I did I had to have similar problems to you getting to Blackpool once and mm. traffic all up the um, the M61 and the stretch of the M6 you have to use before you peel off a of Blackpool. And I, yeah, I, I missed the team sheets getting handed out. I missed my preview ahead of the game, but I was there just in time for kickoff. But were you late anyway, or had you set off in time? It was purely the traffic's fault. It's so difficult to tell <laughs> thinking this far, that far back, Chinch. I'm, I'm sure I'd given myself enough time to get there, providing there was some kind of teleportation. Device. Three o'clock kickoff. I left at quarter to two. <laughs> gave myself plenty of time to get there. The traffic was terrible. Punctual is, is the football. Footballers are footballers generally are pretty punctual people, unless you're supposed to be interviewing them at their training ground. In which case, they yes, drift into they lose all like track of time. Yes, but this, yeah. is, this is yeah. the reason why it, events like that is why teams now stay at a hotel the night before to keep the to players to together sure. so they've got control yes letting them uh, considering the size of watches some of the players wear it's surprising they're <laughs> late for anything because some of them are like grandfather clocks aren't they so just look at your wrist man and it'll tell you where you should be but are you like military veterans Chinch? you're so used to being having your entire life dictated to by by time for training for mm. meeting up ahead of a match that you know that even after you retire that's that why I probably would and would probably still make a very good marine um, but football football needed me, wanted me, and now punditry is my calling when easily, easily I would be the hardest man in the SAS.